Amen. Amen. Thank you, team, for leading us in worship. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am so thankful for our worship team. Um, uh, I, I have gotten to worship with a lot of different teams in the past, and, and I know that it's, uh, it's not just good musicians uh, that make a good worship team. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I want to say thank you to Didi and Rafe and everybody who helps lead us in worship. Um, yeah, let's give them a... Uh, well, good morning, church. My name is Andy Nelms. I have uh, the privilege of being the associate pastor here at uh, Lover's Lane, the pastor of Thrive. And, and I'm so blessed to get to worship with you, uh, whether you're in person here or if you're online this morning. And again, I want to welcome you if this is your first time here. Uh, I know that it takes a lot of courage, a lot of bravery to, to try out new things, to experience um, new ways of thinking. I want to welcome you here this morning. We are continuing a sermon series about calling, about discovering our purpose. We are in the season of Lent. Lent is a season, a Christian holy season between Ash Wednesday, which was a few weeks ago, and Easter, which we're looking forward to on, on April 4th. And during this time, Christians for centuries have used this as an opportunity uh, of kind of preparation, right, of um, making their lives look more like Jesus. They do this through different means, through, um, through fasting, through, through giving something up, through um, time of intentional prayer and reading of Scripture. And, and, and we thought as the team was preparing these series that during this time, what if we used it to kind of discover the purpose that God has for us? Right? That, that God is calling us to something. And I want to let you know that God is calling you to something. Whether you acknowledge it or not, God is calling you to something. And now is the best time, uh, a better time more than ever, to discover what that calling is. And so we've been talking for the last several weeks about how to discover the kind of steps necessary to discover that calling. And, and, and this week we talk about perseverance about perseverance. You know, something I've realized about perseverance uh, is this, that, that we celebrate stories of perseverance from a distance, right? We celebrate stories of perseverance from a distance. I don't know if you're like me, but whenever, uh, whenever I watch uh, like, a, like a sports game, whether it's football or basketball, whatever, they always do those like, you know, those like before the game starts, those really short kind of like three-minute stories about one of the players who's, who's overcome great adversity, right, or who has like a really exceptional story. And I don't know about you, anytime that like music starts, I already start to cry. You know, like I'm like, this is going to happen. Um, but they, they show these stories of kind of great perseverance, and I think we all kind of do something. Whenever that story happens, we immediately begin to distance ourselves from that person. And we say, isn't that great for them? Isn't that exceptional for them? And when we distance ourselves from these stories of perseverance, because sometimes in life we lack the perseverance necessary in order to bring the great things to pass. You know, maybe we, we just, we don't stick with the kind of problems long enough in order to solve them, whether they be personal or professional. Right? We, we get tired too easy. Sometimes just thinking about the problem, right, you know, just immediately exhausts us. And we think, oh my gosh, you know, like I can't even get started on that because I'm already tired. You know, maybe if it's in work, we have an interesting idea, a, a, a creative solution to a problem that we see. And, but we like the perseverance in order to bring it to pass. And so it just stays that way. It stays a good idea. Or maybe it's in our relationships. Maybe it's in our relationships and 
and there, there's a conflict or something going on, and, and we lack the perseverance in order to stay in, to hang in there, in order to bring the solution, in order to bring restoration in that relationship. Many times we lack the perseverance necessary in order to bring the great things to pass. And I want to tell you something this morning. That God has given you the power of persistence and grit. God has given you the power of persistence and grit in order to bring the great things to pass. And, and what God has also given you is wisdom in order to choose the right things to persevere on, right? Sometimes when we lack the, the necessary perseverance, sometimes we, we kind of die on the wrong hills, right? It may be, maybe your personality is more towards that way, but, but God has given you the persistence and grit in order to live into your calling, in order to live into the right and good things. And whether you acknowledge it or not, God has given you the power of persistence and grit. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And, and, and as you heard Miss Tasha and, and Pastor Stan say, we're going to learn from the story of Ruth. Uh, Ruth is in the Old Testament. If you have your Bible, we're going to be there in just a minute. But if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead and turn uh, to the book of Ruth. There's a table of contents in the, in the beginning of your Bible. If, if you can't find it or maybe you use your app or however you use it, I encourage you to engage with the Bible this morning. But we learn about this story of Ruth, and just some kind of backstory, um, Ruth is not a Hebrew. Hebrews were, were the good guys in, uh, in the Old Testament, and, and Ruth is not one of them. She is a Moabite. Um, Moabites weren't necessarily liked. In fact, they told stories about how the Moabites' ancestors came from incest, right? So, so these are not the, the good guys in the Bible, and, and Ruth is one of these um, Moabites, and, and she and another Moabite, Orpah, married Hebrew men. Married Hebrew men whose, whose mother was Naomi. And, and then what happened at the very beginning of the book of Ruth, almost instantly in the book of Ruth, is that all the men in this family died. The father died and the two sons died. So now these three women are left without husbands. And what's important to know is that in this time, women did not have many rights. And, and really, in many sense, they were considered property. And so, so if they wanted to accomplish or do anything in this time, they had to do it through a male, either husband or relative. And so here these three women are, without a male to take care of them. And Naomi makes a decision and so we read about this decision in, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. That then she, Naomi, started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food back in Bethlehem. So she set out from the place where she had been living, and she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way um, to go back to the land of Judah but Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. And then she kissed at them and wept aloud. There's this powerful scene in the book of Ruth. 
right? Naomi starts to go back to her homeland in Judah, the, the town of Bethlehem. She starts to go back, and I imagine there's this scene in my head. It doesn't say it in Scripture, but I imagine this scene in my head where, where Naomi starts to walk away, and, and, and Ruth and Orpah, kind of as like two lost puppies, you know, just kind of follow behind her. And, and she turns around and looks at them and says, I have nothing for you. You need to go back to your father's homes. Maybe they will be able to take care of you. Maybe your male heir, your, your father will be able to take care of you. I have nothing for you. I have to go back to Bethlehem. I have to go back to Bethlehem. And, and so she kisses them and they, and they weep. A very just sad scene. Well, Orpah, the, the other Moabite, she, she does. She turns around and she goes back to her father's home in Moab. But Ruth makes a different decision. And we read about that decision in, in Ruth 1, 16 through 18. Ruth says this to Naomi. Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. So the scene in which Naomi sends the girls back, she says, go back to your father's homes. I have nothing for you. I'm going to Bethlehem. I'm not sure what fate awaits me there. And Orpah decides to go back to Moab, but Ruth stays there with Naomi and says, your God will be my God. Your people shall be my people. She makes this incredible commitment to Naomi. But more than that, more than the words that Ruth said to Naomi, Ruth had the perseverance to bring that commitment to pass. And so she does. Ruth goes back to Bethlehem with Naomi, and, and there she meets a man, Boaz, who is a, a relative of uh, Naomi's past husband, and, 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 and Ruth convinces Boaz to, to marry Ruth, and, and so cares for both Ruth and Naomi, and, and they find this solution, they find this restoration, they find this reconciliation, they find this hope, all because Ruth had the perseverance to bring this to pass. In this story, we learn that perseverance is not just a one-time commitment. It's not just a one-time affirmation. Perseverance is not just one sweeping declaration that you're going to do something, but the perseverance, the stick-to-it-ness, the, the, the task of bringing that commitment to light. And so there, there are three really important things that, that I hope we will learn from this story. Three really important things that I hope that we will pull from the story of Ruth. The first thing is this. Significance doesn't come from talent, but from grit. Ruth was not more talented than anyone else. She wasn't smarter than anyone else. But Ruth had the perseverance to bring her commitment to light. Adaptability is the key to the significance of life. 
We know these stories of perseverance and these stories that we've, per- that we've distanced ourselves from, these, these stories of perseverance because we think, oh, well, well, they had more talent. You know, well, well, of course, they were able to do that. They, they were, you know, born to be a basketball player. Of course they could do that. They were born to be a writer. Of course they could do that. They were, they were born to be this thing or that. And the truth is the talent does count for something. But if it counts for something, perseverance counts twice as much. Significance doesn't come from talent. It comes from grit. The second thing I hope we'll know from this passage is this, that difficult doesn't mean impossible. Friends, you are are going through something right now. We, we are all going through a, a global pandemic, and, and that's hard enough. But maybe you're going through something else. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's something in your family or in your relationships. Whatever the case, I hope that you'll know this, that difficult doesn't mean impossible. The hang in there-ness, this stick-to-it-ness, this perseverance is the thing that brings new possibilities. Difficult doesn't mean impossible. The third thing I hope you will learn, and if you don't hear anything else from this sermon this morning, if you don't hear anything else, I hope that you will know this, that you are not alone. You are not alone. And these times when our perseverance counts the most... In in our time where our persistence is the most necessary, we can have this feeling of extreme loneliness. Like we are the only ones out here. And, And yes, Ruth had Naomi and Naomi had Ruth, but even more than that, God was with them. And I want to let you know that wherever you are, in whatever situation you are in, whether you acknowledge it or not, God is with us. God is with you. God has given you the power of persistence and grit, and God has promised to be with us. So that the prayer in those moments is not, God, get me out of this. So many times we can treat prayer like a get-out-of-jail-free card, and we can think, you know what, all i got to do is pray, and this will all be over. The prayer is not, God, get me out of this, but God, get in this with me. God, may I find your presence in this moment for the power of persistence. God has not promised you prosperity. God has not promised that that, that you will gain all of this wealth or, or all of this affluence. God has promised that God will be with you. Friends, if you don't hear anything else, know that you are not alone. And so my my hope, my prayer for us this week, and and 
Each week, I try to have some kind of like handles, something to do with the sermon. And this morning, I hope that you will consider this. It's very simple, just persevere. Persevere, because I believe that God's people, the people of faith, are the ones uniquely gifted in order to persevere. Whatever it is you're going through right now, I hope that you will hang in, whether it's the pandemic and you're waiting for the vaccine or you're waiting for it to become effective or you're waiting for the you know, kind of world to open back up again. Whatever that is, I hope that you will wait, whether it's in your relationships, maybe it's even in your marriage. And you think, you know what, every time we start to talk about this, it, it gets heated, it, it gets nasty, and when, we, when these things happen, I hope that you will hang in. Whether that's through counseling, whether it's through difficult conversations, I pray that you will hang in. Maybe it's at your work. And you think, you know what, I've, I've got this thing going on. There's this thing that's happening. I, I've got this project. There's this relationship with my boss. Whatever it is, I hope that you will hang in. Because God's people are the people that are uniquely gifted to persevere. Back in February of 1990, Mike Tyson fought James Buster Douglas. Mike Tyson was currently the heavyweight champion in boxing. He had defended his title nine times. Nine times. He, he, Mike Tyson was the youngest person to be the heavyweight champion. And, and Douglas challenged him. And, and, and as soon as the challenge happened, as soon as the fight was scheduled, Douglas was immediately the underdog. Tyson had, had knocked out most of his opponents. And all of those knockouts were in the first three rounds. But Douglas had a goal. When he went into the fight, he had a goal. His only goal was to hang in. Douglas knew that, that Tyson's knockouts, all of, his, all of his fights, most of them had ended in the first few rounds. And Douglas knew that he, if he could outlast Tyson, if he could just hang in past the point where, where Tyson would get tired, then Douglas could win. And so Douglas went into the fight, the clear underdog, and his only goal was to hang in, and so he did. The fight went past the first three rounds, and it had already surpassed what everybody thought Douglas could accomplish. And then the fight kept going, the, the fourth, fifth, sixth, and the eighth round. Both fighters are clearly exhausted, and, and Tyson connects with Douglas and, and knocks him down. And everyone thought that this was it. The, the announcer said, well, surely this, there, there's no more left fight in Douglas. And, and the referee started counting. By the, time the encounter, by the time the referee got to five, Douglas finally started to get back up. And Douglas's legs finally straightened. He finally stood all the way up when the referee got to nine. And as soon as Douglas stood back up, the bell rang, ending the eighth round. The fight went on through the ninth round, and in the tenth round, 
Douglas knocked out Tyson. The only reason that Douglas knocked out Tyson wasn't because he was more talented. Tyson was clearly the more talented fighter. It wasn't because he was naturally gifted with some special talent. It was because he persevered. Friends, my hope and my prayer for you this morning is that you will hang in. Let us pray. God, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in this moment. God, we pray that your presence be made known to us wherever we are. God, whether we are in this hall, whether we are at home in our living room washing dishes, God, doing laundry, whatever it is, God, I pray that your spirit will be made known to us now. And that with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would have the strength, the courage to hang in. God, wherever that is in our life that we need that perseverance, wherever it is in our life where we need that stick-to-it-ness, God, I pray that you would lend it to us for you are the God of perseverance. You are the God of grit. God, we pray that you would do it. By the power of your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, who came and taught us even how to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.